With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get in the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No. Geek. Geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. All right, here we go. Another edition of Hardwood Handicappers post-NBA Finals reaction. Game three is in the books, and the Boston Celtics have taken a 2-1 series lead after a 116-100 victory tonight in Beantown. A uh, very good performance from the Boston Celtics. Uh, And I think you start overall with the Celtics and their offensive game plan because it was clearly... A successful one here in this contest. Celtics overall shoot 37.1% from beyond the arc, but the efficiency numbers are really where it's at for the Celtics when you look at it according to cleaning the glass. In this game, offensive rating 123.4, and uh, we'll call go- a non-garbage time minutes, taking away some of the projected heaves and whatnot. Yeah, but offensive rating 123.4. Half-court offensive rating 110.4. Excuse me, 110.2. Um, this was, I thought, a fantastic performance from Boston and not so much adjustments from an offensive standpoint but just better execution I felt and this is kind of what I've been feeling about Boston almost every single one of these games in the postseason that they have lost and and coming out of them and and I've voiced this a couple of times well you know on the air and in some interviews and even in some articles where when you watch Boston lose some of these games you can't help but feel like it's more about the Celtics' execution or lack thereof as opposed to what had been happening to them or been done to them by their opponent. And I felt that way coming out of game two. I felt there was some lazy execution on the offensive end. It looked like a team that fell in love with their three-point shot and didn't want to push the envelope in terms of hunting mismatches and getting into the paint and getting drive-and-kick opportunities out of said opportunities inside the paint. And also lazy in terms of ball handling and passing and what happens you turn the ball over 18 times you lose that game we know what happens in game two so what happens here in game three well you saw a massive effort from the Boston Celtics to use their size to use their strength to get to the paint go after Steph Curry and win this game in the restricted area Boston ends up with 52 points in the paint compared to 26 for the Golden State Warriors it's a big reason why they of course had that massive advantage in the half court setting against the Golden State Warriors 
And you saw an effort, especially early, uh, after they got Steph Curry into foul trouble because Curry came down with two fouls pretty quickly. But part of it was because they were going after Steph. And they forced Steph Curry to become a defender. Sorry for that like long gasp. I don't know where that came from. But they forced Steph Curry to become a defender. It was, it was a brilliant game plan from the Boston Celtics. And it worked. And it worked really well. And their mismatch hunting was on point. They made the Golden State Warriors work for almost everything. Going after Curry. Going after Poole when he was out there. And at times, going after an Otto Porter Jr. on a certain possession. Or a Klay Thompson on a certain possession. But I thought it was brilliant. I, I thought it was a really good performance from Boston on that end of the floor. And then everything comes from that, right? You had a good shooting performance overall. As I mentioned, you shot pretty well. 13-35 from beyond the arc. And the more important part was your stars, your players, uh, they came to play today. Jalen Brown leading the way in the first uh, first quarter for the Boston Celtics. 27 points as a whole, 9-16 from the floor, 4-8 of eight from three-point range. To add to that, 9 rebounds, 5 assists for Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum comes in, plus minus, plus 13. His, uh, I believe it's his best of the series. I'll have to double-check game one. But 26 points for Tatum, 9-23. And really for Tatum, it was the fourth quarter in which he really came on strong. And there was a concerted effort, it looked like, uh, from the uh, Golden State Warriors, excuse me, from Golden State Warriors, from the uh, from Ime Udoka and the Celtics to get Tatum going in the second half. Uh, but in the fourth quarter for Jason Tatum, uh, efficiency-wise, Three of four, excuse me, a three of seven from the floor. So not like the best in terms of efficiency. Had a couple of assists though. Looked pretty aggressive. Uh, I, I liked what you saw. You liked what you saw from Tatum in that fourth quarter. Uh, and this will lead us into a Finals MVP conversation as a whole as we move forward. Um, but that kind of leads me into another point here, which is so one of the things I was really looking forward to in this game, obviously, was the third quarter. And look. I, I'll catch a lot of flack for this. It kind of goes back to my mentality with game two, right? Like I'll take five and not think that I'm wrong in taking five, regardless of the result, because it's an inflated number, right? There, the third quarter, um, that's what I was excited for, right? To see how the Celtics would respond in the third quarter. And they didn't respond in the third quarter. Uh, 33 to 25, the Warriors win that quarter. But the reason why I tie into that game two philosophy that I was thinking is you guys like betters, and I say you guys, anybody who bet it, you're laying one and a half in the third quarter in a game uh, on the team that is the underdog in the game. Like, that's wild. That's wild. And I get it. Like, the results are there. And the the, the, the Warriors are plus 43 now in the third quarter of this series. And yada, yada, yada. You're just not getting much value. But that leads me to my second point here, which is, yet again, in this game and in this series, the Celtics dominate the fourth quarter of play. While the Celtics might be minus 43 in the third quarter, they are plus 40. In the fourth quarter of this series, and today, twenty-three to eleven, they outscored the, the the Golden State Warriors. This is now, of course, two fourth quarters in which the Golden State Warriors have been held to sixteen points or fewer in the fourth quarter. Of course, remember they they lost the fourth quarter of Game One, forty to sixteen, and only scored twenty in the fourth quarter of Game Two. And we can talk about that being a blowout, not really caring. But regardless, this has been the small issue for Golden State. And I think I'm going to double check this. I think, uh, let me, I want to see. I think it was Justin Fan who tweeted this out. And I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, Justin Fan, who's director at Underdog Fantasy, definitely worth a follow. Um, Warriors, plus 43 in the third quarter, minus 40 in all other quarters. And they're minus 40 in the fourth. Like, it's just, it, it is, when you look at this overall, we get wrapped up in all of these things. To me, I come out of this third game in the series with a couple of thoughts. One, 
The Celtics, I think, have an advantage when it comes to roster construction. I wrote about this in the finals preview, where if you look at just the starting lineups, the size advantage that the Celtics had was apparent, and that has come to play, I think, in this in this series up to this point. We really saw it when they were trying to get to the paint in this game. And the other is the Celtics are a really good defensive team. And if you look at this series now as a whole, one of the big advantages that the Celtics have had in two of the three games, they have been brilliant in their half-court defense. Just downright brilliant. And, <clears throat> excuse me. Ooh, got a dry spot in my throat. I'm just getting so excited. Uh, in game one of this series, they hold the Golden State Warriors to an offensive rating of 90.1. As I mentioned today in game three, offensive rating, 92.4. This half-court sets have been pretty tough for the Golden State Warriors outside of that outlier performance in game two. And these, to me at least... These advantages aren't going anywhere. The Celtics aren't shrinking in terms of their size. They're still going to be big and physical and strong. Uh, They're still going to have a matchup advantage if they want to go mismatch hunting for Jordan Poole or Steph Curry or maybe even Klay Thompson and others. Uh, And and I'll get to another individual performance because the size ties into Robert Williams, who is bleeping brilliant today. But I just think... When I come out of this, and I, and I guess I, after, after game two, when the result was in the books, I was getting a lot of flack for Sunday's Hardwood Handicapper show, I guess, because I, I guess I came across as very pro-Celtics, which I don't know what you want me to do there, folks. I believe in the Celtics team. They are my favorite in this series. I think they're the better team. Um, but I think you know we've seen the advantages here for the Boston Celtics play out in this series up to this point. And I don't think that's wrong to look at at this point right now. But that's not to say that this series is over. I, I believe more and more that this is going to be a short series in favor of Boston. Um, like I have that Celtics to win this thing in five ticket, and I think there's obviously because they're up to one uh, with a home game coming up on Friday. But I think that thing is very, very much alive in this series. Um, but when you look at what the Celtics want to do, I, 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 I mean, I think it's pretty obvious why I believe in this team to the degree in which I believe in them. And now that brings us to game four. And we saw this open up three and a half with a total of 214. I tweeted it out immediately. I was like, I think this is going to get to four and a half. Hell, I, I'll tell you right now on this podcast, I make it just over five. So I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts, whatever that means, that we will get to that five. And there's injury question marks about Steph Curry already. Uh, Keith Smith, who joined us on the edge earlier this week, um, tweeted this out as well. I'll get the exact wording for you on um, Steph Curry and what Steve Kerr said. Let's see, this is a great radio. Me something this week. There's just there's so much information that comes out of these games like immediately afterwards um, that I kind of get lost. Like I bookmark a whole bunch of stuff for you guys, and then I I, I just get lost in all my thoughts. Uh, this is from Keith Smith, Steve Kerr, uh, Warriors quote will know more tomorrow. End quote about Stephen Curry's injury. Offered no further details on what Curry is dealing with. So I think it's that mixed with some public support, and we get now after the open of four or three and a half and total of two fourteen. This line's already up to four with a total of 215.5 at one spot. That would be Circa. And uh, well, I'll get to the total angle as well. I'll write that down so I don't forget. Total. Yeah, I'm going to keep this up. Don't worry. Um, but I think, when, like, again, let's talk about this from this numbers perspective, right? As somebody who believes uh, that the Celtics are the better team, and I, I, talked, to, I talked to Drew Dinsick when I was an um, NBC sports bet analyst, professional handicapper, whale capper up on Twitter, and he brought this up on Monday, and I agree with the sentiment. You know, on a neutral, makes the Celtics about two and a half points better. I'm right in that area with my own number. That would, for me at least, when I value home court at being worth three and a half, that gets you about five and a half, right? That gets you just a just over five and a half. 
uh, right about in that range for a number for Boston back at home. Um, and I think it's I think the market is going to start to take that shape. I wrote about this as well earlier today, where this series is starting to become this dynamic where it's sharps on one side, public on the other. And I think you're going to start to see as we move forward here now that the sharps are really going to start to shape this market, especially when it comes to this Friday game. So do not be surprised if this number gets up to five in favor of the Boston Celtics. And look, I'm already getting a lot on, on social media already. Like, give me the Celt- give me the Warriors money line. Give me the Warriors plus three and a half or five and a half or it's going to be four and a half and all this stuff. And I, I just have to say that I just, I really should, distract, I, w- I want to stress that I just, I don't think that this is the same Warriors team as years past. And there is this perception that they are. And yes, it's only a 2-1 series. But it's a 2-1 series with Boston again playing a home game on Friday with the potential to go up 3-1 back to San Francisco. And a game that they will obviously be favored in. I just think that we are kind of seeing up to this point what the limitations are of the Boston, or excuse me, of the Golden State Warriors. And Boston's not perfect. Look, that third quarter when they get outscored 33-25, to uh, they have some questions to ask. You know, I saw like Har- Harlebaugh Vulgaris um, made a comment, like a smart-ass comment about like, hey, you know, I like how the... Uh, because what was happening in that third quarter, uh, and I'm sure if you were listening to this, you watched it, but for anybody who doesn't understand what I'm talking about, um, in that third quarter, part of the reason why the Celtics uh, were getting gouged and part of the reason why the Celtics lost that third quarter was Al Horford out there for what seemed like a majority of the third quarter. I'm going to go back and see exactly what the minutes were. Um, but was dropping like really deep, really deep on that pick and roll with Steph Curry. And I'm not so much opposed to dropping against Steph Curry. Uh, but it's the distance of your drop that kind of drives you nuts. And bringing this back to what, what Harlebob was talking about in terms of you know making the smartest comment, because I even tweeted out, I was like, look, somebody smarter from a basketball standpoint is going to have to explain to me why you're dropping on Steph Curry. Uh, and you know, somebody tweets out, Boston's bigs have dropped on Steph the entire game, often successfully, yet the announcers only seem to notice it when it doesn't work. Uh, Harlebob tweets out or retweets the tweet, says, uh, I agree. Um, Anchorage, uh, excuse me, Seth Partnow, who used to work for the Milwaukee Bucks, responds, relying on the point of attack defenders to recover, which they have done pretty well for the most part. Um, and then Harlebob responds as well. There aren't just many great options when Golden State is running pick and roll with Steph as the ball handler, which I, like, I understand all of those points, right? I understand all those points, that there's not many options outside of the pick and roll, that you know when you're dropping and allowing your dude to go out to go um, under the screen and fight through that and contest Curry like yes like I, I get all of that but like if you're Al Horford I, I don't think you drop as far and and I by the way I think we saw what how much better you could be in drop coverage if you didn't drop as far Robert Williams came in after Al Horford he stemmed the tide at the end of that third quarter and his drops were so much more different. Like he was dropping but not that far and he was still dropping enough to where the point was his length could still alter Steph Curry's angle of his shot. And I thought Robert Williams was absolutely brilliant in this game. Besides the blocks that he had, besides everything we saw from a stat sheet perspective, uh, I thought when you looked at his impact in this game, and uh, I think he was the Celtics best in terms of plus minus, and we'll confirm for you in just a second. Um, Let's see. Yep, Robert Williams the third, a Celtics best plus 21, right behind Marcus Smart at plus 19, who had a really good game too. Um, But Robert Williams was absolutely brilliant in this game. Absolutely brilliant. And I thought part of the reason why he was so brilliant was was the way that he played in drop coverage as opposed to Al Horford. And so, like, to me, there's a there's there's the lesson in that, right? You know, everything, you know, we always have, like, these binary, like, one thing's wrong, one thing's right. And everything can be right here. Drop coverage can still be used against Steph Curry, the Golden State Warriors. 
And at the same time, the way that Al Horford and the Celtics were running it in the, the, for the majority of that third quarter was also the wrong way to run it, I believe at least. And I think Robert Williams coming in and doing the things that he was doing defensively speaks to that a little bit more. But Williams was awesome. And it wasn't just in dropping. He was just dropping on pick and roll coverage. He was great in altering shots within four feet of the basket, forcing guys to do everything and make them uncomfortable, just coming over and contesting things. His impact, I think, was immeasurable in terms of how good he was here for the Celtics. So as we move forward here to game four, look, I'm, I'm in on Boston. Boston, I think, is going to win and cover this fourth game in Boston. I think that when you look at the way the Celtics can play this thing defensively and adjust and tweak a little bit with how Al Horford is handling some of these drops in the pick and rolls, Robert Williams looked even more healthy. Now, the interesting angle to that game on Friday is that this is the shortest distance between games that we have had, so you wonder how that's going to affect things, uh, right? Playing, um, what, we we played Sunday, game two, off Monday, Tuesday, played Wednesday. Now we're playing Wednesday, off Thursday, playing again Friday. So that's the, short, that's the shortest time off between these games. How that affects a guy like Williams, who's been dealing with a knee injury. Um, Jason Tatum, who's been dealing with a shoulder injury. That will be something to keep in the back of your mind as you move forward into this game four on Friday. Uh, but I'm just, look, I'm going to stick with my guns here on this series. I think this Celtics team is better. I think now through three games, we have seen the advantages that they have. And when they're not shooting themselves in the foot with their lazy play, I think we have seen what the gap could potentially be between these two teams so I mean I guess like if you want to give me crap for the way that I like this team I, I I guess I kind of understand it to a certain extent but I mean what do you want me to do there's only two teams left and this is how I feel man this is how I feel as from a total standpoint by the way um worth noting so betting market's already up uh 215 and a half oh yeah I can't forget that either finals MVP really quick I'll write that down so I don't forget to talk about that with you guys um just to put this pretty quickly when you look at the way that these games have been played up to this point from a pace standpoint, um, these have not been the quickest games. And to make sure I pull up game two so I get this for you guys in terms of the exact number of possessions. All right, so 77 possessions in non-garbage time minutes. I was at the beginning of the fourth quarter with 10.45 left to go. So we're talking about, about again, about a 94-possession game in game two. We know that in games one, in game three, we're talking about possessions of around, again, uh, 93, 92 and a half. And let's see, yep, 92, 91. So, so this has been a slow pace series. And, and the difference has been in these games that have gone over the total is insane efficiency, right? Game one, Celtics offensive rating in non-garbage time minutes, 130.4. They shoot the ball extremely well, have an offensive rating of 114.1 in the half court. Game three, again today, what happens? Offensive rating for the Celtics in non-garbage time minutes, 123.4. But possession still remained relatively the same. Offensive rating in the half court, 110.2. So what I'm getting at here, and they shoot the ball well, um, what I'm getting at here is I would play this thing under the total on Friday if I were to be involved, especially when you're talking about 215.5 or if it gets even higher because this this game today, I mean, look, we closed 214.5 and it barely went over. Um this is, I think, a series in a game in which we're talking about just a slight dip in efficiency with the exact same pace of play. This game's going to go under. So I would very much lean to playing under the total on Friday. And if it gets higher, like if we're talking like 216 or so, uh, I'll be playing under on Friday. Uh, and then the last note before we get you out of here, the adjusted finals MVP market, which is up uh, FanDuel, give, give credit to FanDuel, um, for posting this on first in terms of the adjusted finals MVP market. Um, Jason Tatum plus 115, Stephen Curry plus 190, Jalen Brown plus 340, and then after that, Marcus Smart 33 to 1, Derek White 50 to 1, Al Horford 55 to 1. Um, 
So there's obviously a gap between the top three guys, Tatum, Curry, Brown, and the rest. I would say, um, and again, uh, I'm willing to admit my bias here, considering my investment in Jalen Brown at 13-1, but Jalen Brown, to me, is the MVP of this series if the Celtics do indeed win it. And again, we still they still need two wins. So uh, we could see Tatum come out in the next two games, average 40 in a single possession contest and will them to victory. So this is by no means a cinch, but I think if you're talking about probabilities and where these odds are at this point right now, again, I mean, if you haven't been involved up to this point, I still think that there is is value in a number like 340 with Jalen Brown, who to me has been the most consistent player for Boston through these three games. I do hope that voters do not get blinded by Tatum's 28-point performance in Game 2 because he was awful in that game. We know, right, the plus-minus of minus 36, the worst in the finals in a finals game in the play-by-play era. Uh, And then we know what Jalen Brown did in the fourth quarter of Game 1, the first quarter of Game 3, I, th- I think Tatum, excuse me, I think Brown has been, Freudian slip, I think Brown has been the most consistent Celtic when you're talking about the pecking order for this finals MVP. And um, I think he's going to win that thing. So I would keep an eye on that. But I think if you haven't been involved yet up to this point, uh, 340 on Brown is still a, uh, a viable price for you if you do want to get involved at this point of the series. All right, that does it for reaction to game three, game four on Friday. So again, we'll have another one of these on Friday uh, after the game. Make sure you check out everything we have to offer, vcin.com, vcin.com slash JVT. Make sure you keep an eye out for those, the daily best bets as always, when we have finals games. And uh, just want to say thank you. Uh, we've gotten a, We're coming to the end of the NBA season, and I feel like I've said thank you a lot throughout these podcasts, if you've listened, but uh, I don't say it enough. If you're listening to my voice right now, uh, I very much appreciate you taking in the work because obviously I don't get to do this uh, unless you of course take in the content so it's very much appreciated got a lot in the gotten a lot of kind words uh, about the NBA coverage throughout the season I'll have more on my uh, gratitude as uh, the season comes to an end and once the season comes to an end but cannot stress enough that if you're listening to this I appreciate you very very much we'll talk to you on Friday